Hello, and welcome to the Meet the PhDs podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Loras, and I'm a PhD researcher at the University of Zurich in Switzerland. In this show, I speak to people who are either doing PhD research, have already finished their PhD research, or are thinking of pursuing one. I'm so excited about today's guest. I feel like I know her already. We have never met in person with Holly, but we met here on Instagram and we've been exchanging messages and motivation. And if you're not following her, I really don't know why not. Follow her now. Follow her YouTube channel. After our live, I'm going to upload the live and the link to her YouTube channel. Her YouTube channel is like the highlight of the week. <laughs> comes in. Oh, you're setting the bar way too high. I'm going to bring it back down. It's a very amateur hobby, but thank you, Vicky. You're very kind. No, no, no. It's true. It's so motivating. I love that you share a lot about your PhD journey, about your life. Um, you're not afraid to say, for example, like, oh, I'm not feeling well today, or I'm bored, or this didn't work, because we see all around us this image of perfection and this is kind of, it makes us feel better. And if you're looking for a study buddy, Holly is here for you because she organizes very often study sessions where she's live on YouTube. You can see her and she's doing Pomodoros. I often join them. They're so motivating. And when I don't join them, I use them on other days. So I can feel like I have Holly with me and all the people who are coming in. <laughs> oh, great. Wonderful. Okay, then I'm going to tell you a few things about Holly, her official bio. So Holly Woods is a PhD candidate at All Hallows College, Dublin City University. So she's Irish, but she's living in New York for this year. She's carrying out ethnomusicological research in the area of children's folk music cultures. So interesting. You're going to tell us more about this. With a focus on the field recordings of Hugh Shields, a prominent music scholar in Ireland during the mid-20th century. Holly is a trained soprano and music educator who combines her PhD studies with academic and health lifestyle content creation. So please follow her, she's amazing. You can find her here on Instagram as well as on YouTube where she holds live study sessions that I told you about earlier, so cool, and publishes content about studying all things PhD related, as well as life as a cancer patient. Welcome, Holly. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here, Holly, and for accepting my invitation. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I Thank just for having me. Let's start with the YouTube channel since I mentioned it. You have this super mega motivational YouTube channel. I love it. It's so funny. It cracks me up very often with your videos and everything. How did you come up with this idea? of starting your own YouTube channel and the study sessions and everything like that? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Vicky. Um, the YouTube channel, it, it started during the pandemic, like um, a lot of other PhD bloggers. I, I found that I was uh, spending a lot of time at home during the lockdowns consuming a lot of content. And I 
there was a no, there were a number of people that I admired, including Kaylin over the Redhead Academic. I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of Lucy Kizik's PhD channel, although she's since graduated. And I just started thinking that I want like I wonder can I do this? And um, I. I've always enjoyed video content and I decided that given how much time I had on my hands, my traditional creative outlets as a musician were on pause because of COVID-19 and I, I really felt like I needed uh, a new hobby to throw myself into. So that's how it began and um, I'm, I, I, it's become a, a huge hobby of mine. I love it so, so much. It's really great. And you do all the, um, I don't know, the editing by yourself and everything? Yeah, I do. So I, I really benefited during COVID from an offer that Apple uh, provided to educators. Uh, my, my professional background is as a secondary school music teacher. And when the first lockdown happened and it became apparent that video was going to be a huge part of the online classroom space, Apple offered educators a huge discount on their audio and video production softwares, including Final Cut Pro. So I got this really professional piece of software um, at a huge discount. And I, I didn't know at that time that I was going to start a YouTube channel. I just knew that I enjoyed video content. I was going to have to use it as a teacher and I should probably avail of this deal um, while, while I could. So uh, my first initial foray uh, was as a teacher but then as lockdowns continued and i realized i was consuming a lot of content and really enjoying it that's when i figured i might might try and go beyond just my educational material and see if i can uh, start vlogging as well super that's how it happened with me like i was in the pandemic i wasn't teaching much so um I wasn't, I hadn't started my PhD yet, so I was looking for other people, and there wasn't a lot of stuff yet, uh, apart from the few people that you mentioned. And then one day YouTube uh, recommended your channel to me, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, you, PhD <laughs> And then I saw how you're so funny, you're so amazing. I don't know, all the great adjectives fit with you, <laughs> so I'm very oh, happy that uh, you started a YouTube channel. It's absolutely amazing. Um, how do you get ideas? Like, do you have a list of ideas that I want to do this, this, and this? Do you make them up as you go? Do people ask you? That's a good question. I think when I was first starting out, I was, you know, my audience was very small and I was really doing it as a passion project for myself. So the ideas for the videos um, were just born out of my daily experiences because I, was still learning the skill of video editing and there was only so much that I could do. So I really just kind of took topics and experiences as they came. I did take inspiration from other vloggers and, and try to put my own spin on certain topics. Now that I've been doing it for um, over a year now, I am starting to get a little bit more strategic with my ideas. Um, ultimately, my aim with the channel is to, to entertain, obviously, um, because I do make a lot of tongue-in-cheek content and I do enjoy the silly side of life but I do want it to be ultimately um, of value um, and of a high quality value to other PhD students so I am becoming more strategic with my content with my ideas and I'm looking to other 
content creators for what they've created in the past, but I'm also keeping an eye on trends as and when they occur during, you know, academic discussions online. And um, that makes things exciting. It keeps it fresh because some, you know, I could be planning one thing, but then something happens and um, I realize that it might be an interesting piece of content to make. So there's a variety of sources that I pull from and um, uh, I, I just do it as and when um, it seems to be the right time. Super. And you're so helpful also with your videos because you explain, for example, how you use tools like Notion that I had no idea about and I learned from you. So that was great. A lot of everything is great. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> Super. Very good. So there's a question in the chat box that says, what's your favorite children's folk song? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I love that question. I'm not sure who asked that. I'm going back up the chat to see if I can find it. But um Arians and kitties. Oh, cute. Um, well, thank you for the question. My favorite children's folk song. That is a good question. There is a folk song um, that I found as part of my research. Uh, one aspect of my research um, during the first year of my program was just to gather as many primary sources as possible. And uh, I found this 19th century source, this collection of folk songs that were was published by an Irish collector called Patrick Joyce. Um, he included a lot of songs that he learned as a child himself in rural Ireland, which would have, you know, when he was a child, it would have been around the 1840s, 1850s. And there was a folk song that he noted down called I See the Moon. And it's just a really haunting little melody. He describes it as being... Um, accompanied by like a circle game you know like ring a ring a rosy or if you've ever played anything like that um, and I, i'm going to sing a little bit of it for you just because like it, if i'm going to talk about a folk song i'm not I'm like you should hear what it sounds like and it's i'll just sing a little bit of it it goes yeah. i see the moon the moon sees me god bless the moon and god bless me there's grace in the cottage and grace in the hall and grace of god is over us so so i'd never heard that melody before and it just when i played it on the piano and i sung it and um, just this idea of children singing it a hundred years ago like in a little circle i was like that's the most magical thing ever so that's my favorite folk, children's folk song Beautiful, and what a treat that you sang it for us. You have a beautiful voice. I know you're a trained soprano, but I never expected you would sing for us. That's great. Oh, thanks, baby. Beautiful. Fun fact here, my family and I, we are huge fans of Irish music because I grew up in Canada, and my dad, in the beginning, before he opened his restaurant, he worked in different hotels and bars and everything. And I'm not sure he's going to tell us because he's inside the chat right now. Uh, I think he worked in a hotel where the Irish Rovers came to play music very often. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we love Irish music very much. Beautiful. Thank you, carry-ons and kitties, that you asked that question. Then uh, Holly could sing for us, too. And actually, that ties in beautifully with my next question. Um, you're studying such a beautiful topic. Like, that's one of the things I see now that I'm doing a PhD. I see that people are doing amazing topics that we haven't even thought of and um, how did you think of this topic as a phd and why did you decide to start one i i suppose my interest in this topic was born out of firstly my experiences as an educator i'm very very passionate about 
working with children and celebrating their their cultures and the things that they cherish and that are important in their lives and then as a musician i've always I've been always been exposed to Irish folk music, uh, first through my dad, he's a huge Irish traditional music fan and we'd always have it playing in the car or in the house. And then as I trained as an educator, um, I trained in Hungary and in Hungary they um, have taken great wow. care and effort, yeah, to, to, they've taken great care and effort to promote children's folk music there and it, it's a, actually a huge part of their national curriculum and while I was there it got me thinking about the Irish equivalent and as my studies progressed and as I then entered the workforce started to teach I realized that there weren't a huge amount of sources of children's folk music that I could draw upon to include in my own lessons and to teach my students and I thought it would just make a really good research topic down the line. Um, I had no plans to start a PhD when I did, but when COVID happened, I, I had to take a break from teaching. As you already mentioned, um, I am a cancer patient and I was immunocompr immunocompromised at the time. So there was just this opportunity that presented itself for me to take a break from teaching and maybe go back to school and because I'd already thought of this as a PhD topic, I started the process of finding an appropriate supervisor. I found one that had also trained in Hungary. She was an Irish lecturer at DCU. And um, that's how it all started. Wow. Did you stay for a long time in her? How long did you stay there? I was there uh, for two full years after I did my undergraduate, but I had actually spent an Erasmus term there during yeah. my third year of undergrad. So I, yeah, so two and a half years in total. And um, I loved Hungary. It's such a beautiful country and the people are fantastic. And their music culture is just a, a cut above the rest. So yeah, it was a wonderful couple of years. Well, I had no idea about uh, Hungary and music and the curriculum and all that very interesting i've been to budapest i loved that for a conference it was beautiful wow cool ah oh, very good so if i remember well um now you're doing the phd and you're teaching a little bit too yeah i teach a little bit online so i i haven't gone back to the classroom since covid because of a number of factors and um, my health and um, my phd and now my husband is currently undertaking a fellowship in new york so my teaching over the last 12 months or so has mostly been online and i know there's a lot of conversations i know there's a lot of conversations about how suitable the online learning space is um, but for a select number of students learning online actually really suits their needs and their um, priorities at any given point and the students that I teach online they're taking music um, with me uh, for additional support for additional training they're doing it in their own time outside of school and it just suits them uh, students are so busy these days like they they really they're you know incredible they take on so much and um, it just suits them to meet me online in the comfort of their own home in their own bedroom where they can you know be working on other school stuff and just check in with me for 45 minutes or so so i have to say i i've embraced it it's not perfect but um it's working really well for me at the moment super because 
to eat and do a PhD? How do you combine everything like that? Uh, oh God, I don't know. That's like the million dollar question because so yeah. many students have that experience of, of trying to juggle so many balls and mm -hmm. trying to manage so many things. Yeah. I personally, I've really, I manage it by actually not taking on too much. I can't manage things if there are too many things to manage. I just don't have that capacity anymore. So I'm really, really um, cautious to not take on more than I can do. And that's probably the number one piece of advice I'd give to anybody. Don't try, if you can, I know it's, it's hard because we all need to work, we all need to support ourselves, but if you can be really selective with the work that you do, hopefully that will play a big part in not having to manage, feel like you have to manage everything. Just take on the bare minimum. And that kind of flies in the face of, you know, this hustle culture that, you know, is so predominant online. But actually, I don't hustle. I'm an anti-hustler. I'm like, <laughs> I will just take on, I will just take on the work that that helps me to get by because um, after a certain point, it doesn't serve me. So I manage from it. That's my overall philosophy to it. And then from a very tangible, like practical point of view, I do use the software Notion to manage the various pillars in my life. Uh, and I have a few YouTube videos on how I do that there if you want a little bit more detail. But to me, it's all about just writing down every, writing down what I need to do so I have a clear understanding of it and just taking things off I, you know there's there's nothing like a good piece of software to help you get started with managing it but ultimately you just get shit done by doing the shit you have to do so <laughs> totally. totally and you mentioned something very important that there's this whole hustle culture high productivity i wake up at 2 a.m it doesn't work for everybody and i'm not sure how productive it is at the end for our health first of all yeah Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. I think um, I think it's very hard during your time as a PhD student or as a graduate student to find that balance because you're also at that point in your career where you really want to establish a name for yourself. You want yeah. to show people what you're capable of. And one way we, we think we can do that is by taking on so much. But actually... If, it, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And with the with the, the finite amount of time that we have, it's simply not possible to do everything well if we take on everything. So I I have learned that the hard way. I've really driven myself into the ground um, in the past on more than one occasion simply because I took on too much. I thought that it was the right thing to do because, um, you know, hustle, 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 work, 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 you know, try and do more than the next person because, um, you know, I really have to prove myself. But actually, just takes one or two very well done projects or endeavors to show people what you can do. And um, that is probably the healthier way to approach it um, at the end of the day. But we all learn, we all learn that for ourselves. We all, you know, try and take what we can from our experiences from the good times and the bad times and just find a way that works for you and mm -hmm. allows you to maintain a good work-life balance fantastic oh beautiful that we should frame that that's brilliant <laughs> super very good um uh katie says less is more katie's your sister right yeah katie's my sister <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> yeah i actually also yeah she's yeah, she's great. She actually also, shout out to my sister, she did her PhD. She's my younger sister. She did her PhD 
before me and she did it in she's as um, an immunologist and her phd was in immunology and she uh, got her final dissertation back with no corrections they were just like it's perfect yeah she's a she's a genius my god katie congrats yeah. katie can be a guest too if she wants yeah 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 <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, and I should say she's she's a genius, but she also has the best work ethic of anybody I ever know. I've ever known. She like you don't. So she's she's obviously incredibly intelligent, but she, you know it doesn't matter how intelligent you are if you don't have a good work ethic and if you don't yeah. you know manage your dis yourself and and stay disciplined. Like that's the thing that'll actually take you over the finish line. But yeah, she's she's the best. We love Katie. <laughs> um. So I'm really um. I love all your posts from New York this year and how is that working like with your PhD and everything? It's it's actually worked out very well. I realized um just just because I I did a lot of work last year. So year I'm in my I've just finished second year. During my first year, I digitized a lot of the archival material that I had identified because I knew that I would have to study it in more detail down the line and just with all of the lockdowns that were going on at the same time um, it was really important that I had access to this material even if libraries had to shut down. Super. Incredibly though that meant when I made the decision to go to New York with my husband um, which was quite a last-minute decision because I had some work commitments in Ireland that I, I thought I couldn't get I, 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 I had to um, prioritize uh, circumstances changed and I was able to go to New York and it worked out really well because I had everything that I needed to bring with me I think one of the the strengths of being a humanities-based researcher and um, although it can be a disadvantage at times is that we're not I'm not based in a lab I'm not based in one particular space and I can work remotely a lot of the time and so it's been such a joy to be able to continue my PhD research because I really, really enjoy it. But to be able to do so in a brand new city, um, one of the greatest cities in the world, and even more so after COVID, because we all experienced that sensation of being stuck in our houses, being stuck in our in our hometowns. And um, it just feels like a massive privilege to be able to experience a new city, given all the, the, the turbulence and turmoil that the world has seen in the last couple of years. So I feel very lucky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great to see you. Like I've sent you multiple messages. Oh my God, it's like you've got mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I just, I'm like, definitely, I'm just a secondary character. New York is a main character in itself. And I'm just walking around like, wow. Buildings are so tall. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's us in the humanities. We can practically work from anywhere. So that's our advantage. Let's say that we're not stuck as you said. Super. Very good. Yeah. And actually, there's a question there in the chat from uh, Paola. And actually, it's a really good question. Uh, do you think that living far from the uni impacts on your academic network? Um, I actually, I, this has been on my mind quite a bit because I, I do think um, has presented a number of advantages, but disadvantages mm -hmm. as well. I'll address the advantages first um, and mm -hmm. then talk about um, the fact that I am far away from them. Firstly, by being in a new city, I, I actually have a new academic network to, to try and uh, build for myself. And 
you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do. You really have to put yourself out there. Um, but I kind of took it upon myself when I got here to find Irish contacts, uh, Irish people who are living in the city and see if I could get some teaching work with them, see if I could get some academic work with them. And one of the advantages of Ireland being so small is that I found a contact um, at Columbia University uh, through a mutual Irish friend and I was able to work with a children's choir that is based out of Columbia University for a number of months as a volunteer. I was their um, artist in residence and I never would have had that opportunity if I hadn't come to New York. So um, it is what you make of it and um, you are in charge of, of, of that part of your 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 career and your 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 profile um but at the same time i chose my university for a reason and i chose my supervisor because of her expertise and of her her standing in the irish musicological community and you know ultimately that is where i would like to be based and so being away for a year has meant that i haven't been able to and integrate myself fully into that world and that community now that it's all gone back in person again. While it was all online, I was able to do it here as well, but um, the university is making huge, um, making a huge effort to get everything back in person. And um, while it has been amazing to be in New York, I am glad that it is just a 12 month period because I can't wait to throw myself back into the Irish scene again once I get home. Um, but I really think that, you know, I'm a glass half full sort of individual, you know, and I try to make the best out of wherever I am. And I think that that's possible um, if you're not based there uh, for a certain period of time. Vicky, thank you so much for having me. This has been so, so nice. It's always such a pleasure to chat to other PhD students. And uh, my piece of advice, I, I, something that's been on my mind right now, there's so much advice um, that we can give and share with each other. But what's on my mind at the moment is just this idea that the academic world that we perhaps are used to is changing and it has been changing for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and to take that into account if you are planning to do research because the traditional trajectory that you might have expected to go down, it doesn't quite look like that anymore. And I think um, the more creative you can get with um, your, your work and your skill set, the more employable you will be at the end of it. And I know that probably sounds a bit, not maybe a bit cold or a bit, a bit realistic, but I, I just think that there's, um, there's more than one box in, that you can fit into as a researcher. There's so many industries yeah. and audiences that you can serve with the skill set that you gain during a PhD be that teaching um, in a public or private sector, be that research in industry or in academia, or be that in a consulting capacity. So I would encourage anybody undertaking a PhD or thinking of taking on the PhD um, to really enjoy it and, en and enjoy the, the time you spend at university, but to keep that bigger picture in mind and uh, line yourself up for success by taking into account all the various potential routes that you can take um, at, once you've graduated. Mm -hmm. Spectacular. And I have, two, I have two more years. So I will be spending the next 
two to three months in New York. We leave in November. And for the next two months, I'm combining my PhD research with um, uh, a work opportunity that I've been given with one of the main choral bodies in Ireland. Um, they're called Sing Ireland, and we're working on a European-wide um, project which is developing resources for schools and music communities. So I will be trying to, to manage both of those. And then once I get back into PhD research and once I get back online, I'll be in the archives and I will be writing. So a really nice way to be spending my time because I really enjoy both. Thank you so much. Otherwise, we will bid you goodbye and for sure we'll have her again. Right, Holly? <laughs> That sounds great. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you all for listening to the Meet the PhDs podcast. Subscribe on all available podcast platforms so you can be notified every time there's a new episode. See you next time.